0: And the clock has started. Here we go. Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm Amy, your announcer. In a little bit, I'll be back asking some questions that Doug has written for me. And now here's Doug. <laughs> You're not supposed to know I wrote the questions for Amy. <sighs> <laughs> Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prazak. Hello to everybody. And we have some new cities showing up on my list for this week. Two of them are from Slovenia, and I know I'm going to pronounce these wrong. Krang, Kranj, K R A N J, and Terzic, T R Z I C. Uh, we have Broken Arrow from Oklahoma. I think it's pronounced Auray in France, A U R A Y. I am just terrible with these names. And let's see, also a Carson City, Nevada, I've been there, and that's just outside of Virginia City, Nevada, a great little western town, to love that place. So anyway, welcome to everybody around the whole world, <laughs> all 13 of you listening. <laughs> well, here it is, December 1st, and a, a follow-up to the last episode, I did manage to um, put up the Christmas lights on the house, and, and I didn't kill myself. And I got the trees set up inside the house. Uh, yes, one, they're artificial. And two, I have four of them. I, I am just Mr. Christmas. It looks like one of those uh, Hallmark Christmas movies in here. <laughs> they range in sizes, but the complicating factor is that this year we have a new cat uh, who is still in the kitten must destroy everything phase. I suspect that our house is going to look like a clear cut forest every single morning. So <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. And because it is December 1st, I now declare the Christmas season officially underway. I know, I know, everyone else in the world declared it official about 10 weeks ago. You know what? I don't care because I declared it official today. A few podcasts ago, actually, no, make that a lot of podcasts ago, I talked about the different Christmas traditions around the world. Now, in case you forgot, or maybe you didn't listen to that episode, and I don't know why you wouldn't, but I digress, here's a short recap of a few Christmases from around the world. In Poland and many Polish communities, worldwide Christmas Eve dinner, or Wigilia, begins with a sharing of the Oplatek. (laughs) You know, when I started down this Worldwide path. I knew I was going to be setting myself to insult many, many, many fine countries with my lousy, n- no horrible pronunciations of their activities. So here is a blanket apology to the world. I am so sorry for botching your beautiful languages. I can barely speak English. So uh, there, <laughs> there you go. I apologize. Back to Poland. The Polish communities share the Oplatek. No, God, if you're Polish, this is what I tried to say. So yeah, what she said. <laughs> anyway, the is a paper thin square wafer made of flour and water and has an image of the nativity on it. Everyone at the table breaks off a piece and shares the holiday greeting before passing it along. Sometimes even the pets get in on the fun <laughs> or did they just grab a piece of the and run with it. <laughs> In Slovakia and all over Central Europe, people enjoy carp for a Christmas Eve dinner, but rather than picking it up from the supermarket, traditionalists let the fish live in the bathtub for a couple of days before preparing it and eating it. Legend has it, the scales bring good luck and good fortune for the coming year. In Sweden and Finland and Norway, St. Lucia's Day is a special part of the Christmas season that commemorates a woman who is said to be one of the first Christian martyrs. Celebrations involve candlelit processions with the eldest girl in each family dressed up like St. Lucia in white gowns, often wearing wreaths with candles. Well, that sounds kind of dangerous to me. (laughs) In Greece, decorating Christmas trees and boats has been popular for centuries. The first known Christmas tree in Greece was put up by King Otto in 1833 next to a large decorated boat which families traditionally put up to celebrate men's return from sea voyages. Today, in cities like Athens and Thessaloniki, large lit-up boats appear alongside Christmas trees. (laughs) I can't believe I nailed Thessaloniki. And if uh, you thought coal in your stocking was bad, in Austria and Bavaria, St. Nicholas brings gifts for good kids, while the Krampus, who is half man, half goat, comes around to drag the bad ones away. (laughs) Um, I don't think that's literal. (laughs) Because Christmas falls during the summer months in Australia, many residents hit the beach for a barbecue. They grill up meats and fresh seafood on the... I'm not even going to say it, you know. (laughs) Iceland celebrates 13 days before Christmas, and children also get presents from 13 different Santa Clauses called Yule Lads. Each of these lads has his own different qualities, and they can be a bit feisty. But if good children place their shoes on the windowsill, the Yule lads will leave them little gifts. If they haven't behaved all year, then apparently rotten potatoes show up in their their shoes. So that's a Christmas tradition sampling, but there is one Christmas or holiday tradition that seems to be universal, and that is holiday baking, or more specifically, Christmas cookies. It's happening in this house and probably uh, sooner or later in yours. And practically every hour on the food channel on my TV machine, there is some kind of Christmas baking competition going on. nonstop. I tell you. Now, after shoving a couple more of my uh, EP's fantastic almond cookies in, I did some research so you don't have to. That should give you more time to do some baking. <laughs> and since my executive producer is listening to this right now, I should probably mention, um, we're out of the almond cookies. <laughs> don't judge. <laughs> So how is it that December holiday season equals holiday baking? Well, as with many things that are now synonymous with Christmas, Christmas cookies origins can be traced back to many millennia ago. 10,000 years ago, give or take a couple, people all over the world celebrated the changes of the seasons. Tribes and civilizations had winter solstice festivals in the regions we now know as Africa and Europe. And just like today, food was typically a major player in those celebrations, which makes sense because winter was a a tough time at that point in human civilization. Winter conditions made it hard to grow and harvest crops. As a result, community members would gather what they could before it was too late to harvest and would feast together. They also hunted animals and prepared their meat to eat in the winter. With all this food and fermented drinks like wine and beer at the ready, one thing was missing, that was dessert. When the Middle Ages rolled by and Christianity spread, many European countries replaced their winter solstice traditions with Christmas. That along with a way to satisfy people's sweet tooth, that pretty much set the stage for Christmas cookies to enter the season. Now, you're probably asking this. Hey, Doug, who invented Christmas cookies? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked, Amy, because if you hadn't, then the next few pages of script would be completely useless. There are several schools of thought on who invented Christmas cookies, but it's widely believed that they're a product of German culture. Many consider the Germans to be the fathers of Christmas baking in terms of cookies and other popular holiday treats. They even had a specific word for it, Weihnachtsplätzchen. If you're German, this is what I meant to say. Weihnachtsplätzchen. It traces back to the traditions of the Middle Age monasteries. Resident monks had sugar and various other Christmas cookie spices like ginger, clove, and cinnamon to work with. The spices, as well as butter and lard, were luxury items at the time. As a result, people only used them on special occasions, such as the Christmas holidays. Next question. Where did the word cookie come from? I'm glad you asked. Well, the word cookie originates from the Dutch term koopje. Okay, this is what I really meant to say. Koopje. I was pretty close, wasn't I? (laughs) Anyway. Koopje. And that means small cake. Additionally, the Dutch were the ones who brought these cookies to North America in the 17th century. Along with German settlers, they introduced decorative molds and cookie cutters to this newly discovered region. When these inventions spread, so did cookie recipes in cookbooks across the U.S. and Canada. Cookies became popular at this time of the year because, unlike pies and cakes, they could be stored for longer periods of time. Before refrigeration, it was possible for cookies to be baked in advance and then kept on hand for visitors or given away as gifts. What made Christmas cookies skyrocket in popularity was how easy it was to make them in advance and store them until Christmas time showed up. It was also easier for people to get into the giving spirit and gift cookies to neighbors and loved ones than it was with cakes or pies. Any more questions? When did Christmas cookies really catch on? Well, it was in the 20th century when Christmas cookies really took off. However, when did this happen exactly, you didn't ask? In the early 1900s, sugar was a luxury item in the U.S. homes. On top of that, technologies like fridges and gas stoves still weren't well established and cooking was done on coal or wood stoves and people used ice boxes to keep their food cold. Oh my God. When the Great Depression of the 1930s ended in the United States, the gas range was introduced and cookies became more sophisticated because temperatures could be precisely maintained. Refrigeration allowed the home bakers to use chilled dough and maintain temperatures more accurately when cooking. As a result, baking delicious Christmas cookies became exponentially easier. I like to add personally that the Pillsbury Doughboy and his sugar cookie dough actually made it even easier. Why is it easier? Well, because you can just leave the baking out of it altogether. Just peel open the tube and start chewing away. Oh, come on. I know you've done that. Don't get all high and mighty on me. So there you have it, a a brief history of how Christmas cookies came to be. It's time for a break because I need to find out if there's any other cookies hiding somewhere in this house. When we come back, I will have the top Christmas cookies you like to bake and what's the story behind cookies for Santa. Don't go away. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar cookies danced in their heads. It just wouldn't be Christmas without baking Pillsbury slice-and-bake cookies. They're fun for the whole family. Just slice and bake. You get free stencils inside every package. To trim a tree, light up a star, do your own thing. Get Pillsbury's Holiday Cookie Kit, found only in the dairy case. And have a very Pillsbury Christmas. Oh, how sweet, the Pillsbury Doughboy. (laughs) Wishing us all a Merry Christmas. All right, it's time for some baking. So you're saying to yourself, but Doug, what should I bake? Well, I happen to have the list of the top 10 Christmas cookies. You probably will disagree. (laughs) And that's okay. There was a lot of thorough research went into this. So don't poo-poo it right away, okay? (laughs) And since I have officially declared it the Christmas season effective today, (laughs) let's start with some Christmassy music. Coming in at number 10, the white chocolate macadamia nut cookie. It's another classic of the much-loved cookie, the perfect combination of crunchy, chewy, and sweet. This lands right on Santa's top 10 list. (laughs) Number nine, the Pizzelles. I've never had a Pizzelle. Santa definitely has a soft spot for these anise-flavored Italian cookies. Well, that's why I hate anise. Pezzelles are traditional holiday cookie in Italy and bear a striking resemblance to thin waffles. Number 8, the gingerbread cookie. Another holiday classic are gingerbread cookies. Santa loves when these cookies are decorated and shaped into gingerbread families. (laughs) Number 7, a lot of controversy here, oatmeal raisin cookies. I, you know, ditch the raisins, just oatmeal cookies, but some people have to put raisins in them. Anyway, sometimes Santa craves more than nutritious cookie during his trip around the world on December 24th. While this cookie is by no means a health food, it's certainly more nutritious than the rest of the cookies on the list. I say, make it even less nutritious, take the raisins out. Number six on the list, M&M cookies. M&M cookies are essentially a treat within a treat. The combination of the chewy cookie and crunchy shell of the M&M's and the melted chocolate inside, not on your hands, provide a variety of different textures, each equally delicious. The vibrant hues never fail to catch Santa's eye. Number five, Snickerdoodles. The enticing combination of cinnamon and sugar that tops Snickerdoodles is just too good for anyone to resist, particularly Santa. These cookies are perfectly chewy in the center and have a crunchy edge. <laughs> I prefer them soft and chewy all the way around, but eh, just me. Number four, peanut butter cookies. Simultaneously nutty and sweet, these cookies are notoriously soft and exceptionally delicious. Santa likes these cookies. Extra peanut buttery. <laughs> How do we know this? Real seriously. Is somebody taking notes somewhere? Number three in the list. We're getting so close to number one. I, I can't stand it. Number three, double chocolate chunk cookies. These double chocolate cookies are always a rich treat for Santa. A favorite of chocolate lovers everywhere. And if you're feeling somewhat creative, try switching up the chocolate chips in the cookies and try the different flavor combinations that white, milk, and dark chocolate provide. I know, don't mess with the original. Number two. What did you have for number two on your list? Did you have sugar cookies? Well, then you're right. The sugar cookie, the beloved melt-in-your-mouth flavor, and the texture of a good sugar cookie is irresistible, especially to Santa. These typically plain-looking cookies make the perfect canvas if you're the creative type, as they lend themselves well to decoration. And here it is, the number one cookie that you're going to be baking. That's right, it is the... Chocolate chip cookie. You can never go wrong with these classic, delicious cookies. Santa himself lists these as his favorite. Again, how do we know this? Come on. And he prefers them soft and gooey (laughs) with lots of chocolate chips. If you decide to leave these out for him, make sure there's a glass of cold milk nearby. (laughs) And there you have it the top 10 cookies you will be baking this season. But wait, there's more chances are excellent you're going to be making some of these cookies and then leaving out a couple for Santa. But how did that tradition get started? Well, cookies were first associated with St. Nicholas, you know, who's uh, the early Christian bishop who serves as the model for Santa Claus. Well, leaving cookies for St. Nicholas is a tradition that started during the Feast of St. Nicholas that the Dutch held every year. They would bring cookies to honor the saint and give to travelers as a snack for when they arrive from all over the country to praise the saint. Here in the United States, cookies for Santa started during the Great Depression as a teachable lesson. Families didn't have much money or baking supplies, but they had enough to bake a small batch of cookies for Santa. This was also to teach the young kids to be thankful and charitable for what they had. Well, the tradition stuck and kids still leave milk and cookies out for Santa as a way to say thanks I say they're probably a bribe. (laughs) Oh, and in case you were wondering, here's Santa's cookies by the numbers. With info from anidea.com, approximately one billion cookies are left out around the world for Santa, and since Santa needs something to help wash them down, about 500 million glasses of milk are set out. Now, if we're talking just about the United States, it's approximated that of the 100 million households About 1 million are serving sweets to St. Nick. If Santa takes two bites of each cookie served around the world, he consumes roughly 336,150,386 cookies. Now, as you probably know, Santa doesn't always finish his glass of milk, so that means he drinks a little less than a million glasses. But the amount that is served would fill an Olympic-sized pool nine times over. Oh, and here's the truth of the matter, okay? The number one cookie that is left out for Santa is Oreos. But stop the reindeer right there, okay? What if you don't bake cookies? What do you do then? Well, thefarmerswife.com says if you don't have any cookies to leave out for Santa, why not try some new treats this year? (laughs) Perhaps you might try one of these and make it your own tradition. Now, remember, I did not come up with this list, okay? But I, I don't necessarily disagree with them. One uh veggies and dip the purpose of the veggies and dip is twofold first they're a nice healthy treat for santa <laughs> like he really wants that and two you can leave some carrots for the reindeer uh next cereal leave santa a bowl of dried kids cereal again this is twofold concept here instruct santa to take a handful for his reindeer and then give him instructions where he can find the milk <laughs> three chips and dip Uh, nothing wrong with chips and dip. Rumor has it, Santa loves salty snacks too. So if all you have is potato chips, then go ahead and put those out. That'll do fine. A bowl of chocolate chips. Santa gets busy while filling stockings. So a great snack is one he can eat on on the go. Leave a bowl of chocolate chips out for Santa so he can snack on the run. (laughs) And fill his pockets and (laughs) let Mrs. Claus deal with it later. (laughs) And lastly, a Coke, a Cola classic. Santa has long been depicted in Coke ads enjoying the frosty beverage on Christmas night. Show your kids these nostalgic ads and then leave a bottle or can of Coke for Santa to enjoy while he's relaxing at your home. Doug adds, his own two cents here, if you really want to make Santa happy, just put out a bottle of Captain Morgan next to the Coke. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> well that will do it for this episode, but first what have we learned? Well, we learned that uh Obotic. Weihnachtsplätzchen. And are a big deal at Christmas time. <laughs> we learned that you're supposed to bake cookies and give them to your neighbors. What? And we learned that, in Doug's opinion, on Christmas Eve, ditch the baking, eat the Pillsbury sugar cookie dough, put out some Oreos, and have a rum and coke. <laughs> That's it. That will do it for episode 131. But let me tell you right now, episode 132 is the one you don't want to miss. It's Doug's annual Christmas gift list. (laughs) So thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next time on 20 minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. This message is from my executive producer. Uh, You may notice that the almond cookies are all gone. So let me know when the new batch is ready. Thank you. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, uh, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.